I am so grateful today that our graduates are here with us and that, and that really that all of you have come to celebrate with us today, um, this graduation time. Graduation uh, really marks the, the end for a, lot, for a lot of us and a lot of the, the things that, that, that you've been doing. It, it also is the commencement of, of the next stage, the next things that you will be doing in life. And so you, you kind of come to this, this time where you're, you're, you're caught in the middle. You're, you're finishing up all of the things that you've been working on in, in high school or in college. You're, you're, you're working on getting your degree. But you're also at that jumping off stage where you're looking forward to, to what's about to come. You've spent these last few months really compiling your your resume. If you're if you in fact if you're a college student today, you've actually been compiling your literal resume these last few years, putting together what what limited experience you've had and trying to make it sound like it was much more than it really was. You've you've been sending those resumes off to to different uh, applications and jobs, trying to find uh, the exact right thing for you to do. You've been looking at at health insurance plans and and salary packages, and you've been dreaming about all of those things. And that's been good for you to do. You need to do that. High school students, you've been doing something similar. You maybe have not put a literal resume together, but you feel like it. You've been applying for scholarships and filling out applications and essays and and you've been racking your brain thinking about all of the different activities that you might have possibly been a part of over the last few years and you're you're writing those things down and 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 you're you've been approaching your favorite teachers and and your favorite bosses asking for letters of recommendation so that you can can really sell yourself that you can can put out there the the name that you have been building up the 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 name that you have been been creating over these last four or eight years you have you've been putting that together and now you're trying to capitalize on that you're trying to to capitalize on the name that you have created for yourself and it's not wrong to do that we need to do some of those things. It's, I'm sure your parents think it's good for you to get scholarships and to get a good job and not move back into the basement. It's good for you to do those things. It's not necessarily prideful ambition that leads us in that direction. But we need to be careful. We need to be careful about building our name. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to share with you three reasons why why I don't think it's good for us to spend lots of time, lots of energy, lots of effort on, on building up our name or our fame or our renown, as you saw on the screen earlier today. Three reasons why that might not be the best plan. I want to give you a picture of what I think the biblical alternative is for you. And then I want to point you to a little bit about how to do that, how to follow that calling. But first I want to begin just with a, a, a spoiler alert. I want to give you kind of the end of the message even before we jump into the beginning. And the end of the message really comes from Isaiah chapter 26, verse 8. It's one of my favorite verses in Scripture. It says it this way, if you're using the ESV this morning, it says, In the paths of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our souls. In another version, which I I tend to like a little better, it says, Yes, Lord, walking in your ways, we wait for you. 
your name and your renown are the desires of our hearts. Your name, your renown are the desires of our hearts. That's the end this morning. That's where we're going to go. If you just want to write that down, that's, that's the message today. Your name, your renown, your name, your renown are the desire of our hearts. But let me give you a couple of reasons why I think we want to head there. There's three things I want to talk about this morning. Three reasons why we want to be careful about our own name. Why we want to be careful about building our own fame. Why we want to be careful about building up our own renown. The first reason is that, is that our fame, our fame, our renown is elusive. It's elusive. It's hard to get. And I think I'm pretty safe, if I just play the percentages this morning, I'm pretty safe to say that there's nobody in this room today that is going to be known everywhere. It just doesn't happen. Even with the advent of the internet, our circles have gotten, have gotten closer, we, our world has gotten smaller, but nobody in here, I don't believe, is going to be known everywhere. I knew I was going to speak about this this weekend, and I was in Sioux Falls the last couple of days for a, a, a biblical counseling conference. And, uh, you know, I got there Friday a little bit early just before I had to meet someone. And, and so when you get to Sioux Falls early, you, you go to Shields. And so that's what I did. I had a few minutes to spare. And so I was in Shields. And, and when you're in Shields or, or, or where, when I'm anywhere, I, one of the things I try to do is I, I try to to keep my eyes up and, and scan what's going on because if I see someone I know, I don't, I don't want to appear rude. I don't want to appear off. And so I, I, I try to keep an eye out for people that I might know. And so I'm doing that. I'm walking around Shields. I'm, I'm looking at different things and I'm kind of looking around and, and I don't know anybody. And, and at, finally at one point I, I, I see that and I'm thinking about this message and I think, who do you think you are that you are going to know somebody in Shields in Sioux Falls? Because the truth is, if I really total up all the people in Sioux Falls that I know, I, I don't even know what that total would be. 25, 30 people. Maybe if I'm being generous, it's a hundred people that I might know in Sioux Falls or in that area. And that's like what one, I don't even, I'm not very good at math, but I think that's about one, one thousandth maybe of the total population of the Sioux Falls city. It, it, it's minuscule. And the idea that I, that I might bump into someone I know because my fame is so great is ludicrous. And maybe it's different for you. Maybe graduates, maybe, maybe you, when you go to Sioux Falls and you're in Shields, maybe it's different. Maybe you're waving all the time. I don't know. But even if that's you, even if you can't hardly walk a step into Shields and Sioux Falls because you know everybody that's there, I bet if we were to drop you in Minneapolis, it would be radically different. And even if you're known all around the Midwest, maybe even, maybe even if you were known all through Minneapolis, you couldn't go to Chicago. If you went to Chicago, you couldn't go to New York. You're not going to be known everywhere. And even if you get to that point, even if you get to the point that your, your, your name is as great as as Tom Hanks, and you have a star on Hollywood Boulevard, and you can't walk around New York or Chicago or Minneapolis without everyone recognizing you. Even if you're LeBron James, even if you're Beyonce and you only go by one name, you will not be known everywhere. 
sometimes I, I, I giggle at this thought, but the, the, the two words Tiger Woods, that means something to us, but it means something radically different to people that live in Asia. Your name will not be known everywhere. You will not be known everywhere. Our fame is elusive. But, I go back to our spoiler alert. Pastor Ron, in fact, just mentioned it during prayer time. Scripture tells us that there is a name that is known everywhere. In Philippians, it says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God and the Father. At one point, every knee will bow. Every one. On earth. In heaven. Under the earth. Every single person will know the name of Jesus. Will know the Son of God. His fame is not elusive but our fame is our fame is elusive but even even more than that our fame is fleeting our fame is fleeting even if you can can somehow do something that might give you a bit of fame even now we we are as i mentioned the internet has made our world different it's made our world smaller and maybe you can do something that that will create some kind of viral youtube video where you make some spectacular dude perfect shot playing basketball or you do you do something amazing and 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 you you become a part of a viral video your fame even in that moment your fame in that moment really only lasts until the youtube video automatically on its own switches to the next one in the list and people will begin to forget what they just saw. In fact, the phrase that oftentimes is used with, with fame is, is, is someone has their 15 minutes of fame. And I would say even now in our society, because of the way stuff happens and changes so much faster, it's not even 15 minutes anymore. For the Ingalls family, it was 15 minutes of fame. But for us, it's 15 seconds of fame. It doesn't last very long. And even if it does last for a while, Scripture tells us that your life is just like a breath in the span of eternity. So even if you have some fame for a portion, a scant portion of your life, your life is really not that long. Your fame, even if you can find some, is fleeting. It doesn't last very long. But Isaiah tells us that in Isaiah chapter 56, God says, I will give my house and within my walls I will have a monument and a name better than sons and daughters and I'm going to give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. God has an everlasting name and a name for his family, an everlasting name name that will not be cut off. His fame is not elusive. His fame is not fleeting. 
But thirdly, our fame is fleet, is, is elusive. Our fame is fleeting. But the third reason that I don't think we want to spend a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of, of energy on building our own renown is that ultimately, even if you can carve out a niche and have some fame, our fame ultimately is unsatisfying and in vain. It's unsatisfying and it's in vain. And, and today you're probably saying, you, or you might be saying, how can he even know that? When he, when he goes to Shields in Sioux Falls, he doesn't know anybody. He doesn't know what it's like to experience fame. And that might be true. But there's a gentleman in Scripture, Solomon, in the Old Testament. Solomon was King David's son, and, and he had a dream, and, and God said, I'll, 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 you, you can have one wish, basically. I'll give you any, anything that you want. And, and, and Solomon comes back to God and, and, and asks for wisdom. And God is pleased by that request. And so God does give Solomon more wisdom than any other, any other human earthly man has had. And with that wisdom, he gives him, he gives him riches and fame. And Solomon becomes one of the most famous men of that era. And really, throughout history, we're still talking about him today. And yet, Solomon, when he writes scripture, he writes the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, Everything is meaningless. Vanity of vanities. Vanity of vanities. It's all vanity. There is no remembrance, he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. There's no remembrance of former things. Nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those that come after. Everything is meaningless. And Solomon had fame. His name, his renown had been spread And he comes at it and says, it's all meaningless. It's all unsatisfying. If you've heard me speak before, you you know I I talk about this verse often from Jeremiah chapter 2. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, uh, God is speaking through Jeremiah to his people and he says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the fountain of of living waters, and they have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. That is so fitting for us. God says, you have a thirsty soul. You long to be known. You long for your renown, your fame to be built. You have that built in you. You're selfish, and you want people to know who you are. You have this thirsty soul that longs for recognition. And what you've done is you've turned your back on the fountain of living water. There's a place where you can get satisfaction for your soul. There's a place where you can drink and you can drink all that you want and all that you need and it's unending. There's a place for you, an everlasting fountain, but you've turned your back on it. And not only have you just turned your back on the fountain, but in your quest to get something to drink, you've tried to dig your own well. You've grabbed a shovel and you have dug and 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 dug. And at the end of all of that digging, all you have is a, is a giant hole and a dry mouth and a thirsty soul and a big pile of dirt. And you have no satisfaction. 
It says in Jeremiah chapter 2, there is somewhere else to go, but you've turned your back on that living fountain. So, if our fame is elusive, if our fame is fleeting, if it's ultimately in vain and unsatisfying, then, then what should we do? What's our answer today? What's the call that scripture gives to us? I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 9, if you would. Acts chapter 9. If you're using a pew Bible this morning, it's page 917, where we're going to be. I think in Acts chapter 9, that gives us a picture of the calling that we're given as believers. It specifically is the calling that's given to a man named, named Saul, who later changes his, has his name changed to Paul. Saul is a persecutor of the church. This is a, this acts as the, is the story of the early church. Jesus has, has lived. He's, he's been crucified. He has taught, he's been raised from the dead. He's been taught. He's now, he's, he's returned back to heaven. And the, acts is the story of the early church. It's the disciples on, on, uh, kind of how, what they did after Jesus had returned back to heaven. And there's stories between chapters, chapters one and nine kind of tell the early part of the church and, and tell the story of the Holy Spirit coming to live in the believers. And it tells the story of a man named Saul who hated the church, who hated believers, hated anything that had to do with Jesus being declared the Messiah. And he was a persecutor of the church. In fact, he had gone and, and been given authority to travel all around the area and to, and to persecute, to, to, to put to death. The Christians. And it's a pretty well-known story. If you know much of the story of Acts or much of the story of Scripture, you know about Paul's conversion, Saul's conversion. Saul is, is traveling on the road to head to another place to, to arrest and, and have Christians killed. And while he's traveling there, here in chapter 9, you're seeing it, there's, there's a, a, a great light that comes out of the sky. And Saul is knocked off of his horse and he hears this voice that comes out of heaven. It says, Saul, Saul, in verse 4. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? And he hears a voice from heaven that says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you're to do. And so the story goes on. Saul, Saul rises, some men help him. He's, he's blinded. So, uh, some men help him to, to get to the city and, and he's there and he's, and he's, he's kind of in this stage of, I, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what's happening. I, I know that I had this encounter with Jesus, but I don't know what's going to happen next. And in Acts chapter nine, we read that in verse 10, there's a, a disciple in Damascus in the city there named Ananias. And the Lord says to him in a vision, Ananias, and Ananias replies, here am I, Lord. And the Lord says to him in verse 11, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he's praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Ananias, a believer of Jesus, a follower of God, gets this call, gets this vision, gets this, this call that God puts on him and says, you're to go. To, to Straight Street. You're to go to this, this guy named Saul. You're to, to pray over him. And Ananias, as you can imagine, Ananias says in verse 13, 
Lord, I've, I've heard many, many stories about this man. Much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. And I says, I, I don't know about this, God. This is, this seems pretty crazy. He's the main persecutor. He's the main guy. He's the evil one. He's, he's our enemy. I don't know about this, God. But the Lord says to him in verse 15, the Lord says to Ananias, go. He's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. He says to Ananias, go, God says. He's my chosen instrument. He's my chosen instrument to carry my name. That's the call that God gives to Saul, who later becomes Paul. Carry my name to the Gentiles and to all believers. He says, I want him to carry my name and I want him to know about the suffering that he's going to go through for the sake of my name. And Paul does. Saul, not too long after this, changes his name to Paul, and Paul becomes one of the greatest missionaries in history, really. Paul begins to travel. He goes to churches. He, he, uh, he, he takes several missionary journeys. In fact, I, I heard this week that, that if you figure out the mileage that Paul probably traveled, he probably traveled over 15,000 miles on his journeys from church to church, place to place, carrying the name of God. 8,000 of those miles, he probably walked on foot. 8,000 miles on foot. Carrying the name of Christ. He was shipwrecked. He was thrown in jail. He was beaten and whipped and stoned. Paul suffered mightily for the name of Christ. And in the end dies a martyr's death. That's the picture that scripture gives us of his name, his renown being the desire of our hearts. That's the picture that God gives us to carry his name. So this morning, this morning you're probably thinking, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not Saul, I'm not Paul, I, I, I'm not going to travel 15,000 miles around. And you're probably thinking, is that really what Pastor Jason's saying? Do, do I have to do, is that, is that have to be the next step? Does that have to be the next plan for me? To go to a, to a restricted country, to, to travel to a place where, where it's illegal to speak the name of Jesus, where I have to possibly have a, a martyr's death. Do, do you have to do the same thing? And my answer for you today is Maybe. That actually might be the call that God's putting on your life. Don't just automatically think that's not for me. It might be. But that is not necessarily the call that he has given to you. That is not necessarily the passion that God has developed inside of you. Your passion might be something different than Paul's. Your passion might be something like I don't even know. Photography. 
You might have a, you might love to take pictures. And I don't mean pictures like I pull out my phone and I, while I'm driving down the road, I take a picture of the sunset and put it on Instagram and talk about how great it is. I mean, you actually love photography. You have a camera that actually has a lens that comes off. I don't think they have cameras with film in them anymore, but lenses that come off. You have a real camera. You take real pictures. You, you know how to pose things and you know how to, you, you, you know the, the, the grid of three to take good pictures. You love photography. Or maybe you, maybe you have a different passion. Maybe you have a passion for, for animals. You, you have cows and chickens and goats at your house. You, you have 19 cats and those are just the ones you've named. Those aren't even the ones that live in the barn. You, you love, maybe you got cockroaches for your birthday. You love animals. That's what you think about all the time. It's animals. Maybe that's your passion. Maybe that's what God is working on in you. Maybe you love, I don't, I don't, I don't know how this can be true, but maybe you love math. In fact, earlier when I talked about one thousandth of the percentage, you're like, he's crazy. That's not even right. Because you love math. You lie in bed at night and you think about story problems. You think about if train A left city west at... You drive down the road and you see, you see telephone poles that are leaning a little bit. And you say, you know, that should be at 90 degrees, but it's really only at 87. And pretty soon you have this whole geometry proof done in your mind. Because you love math. All of us have different passions. All of us have different desires. All of us have different things that we love, that God has, has put inside of us. Not all of us are going to travel 15,000 miles declaring the name on a missionary journey like Paul. But the call for us to carry his name is the same. And I know that. I know that from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's, it's on the front of your bulletin. It's on our wall. Over here. Paul, in his writings, as he's carrying the name, he says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. Photography, math, animals, Baking, cooking, teaching, whatever you feel called to do, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. In fact, he even starts it by saying, whether you eat or drink, the very most basic things that all of us have to do to survive, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. He's called us to carry his name. He's called us to carry his name for his glory so that people might be seen through us. Yes, Lord, walking in your ways, we wait for you. Your name, your renown are the desires of our hearts. Graduates, that's my prayer for you this morning. That you will carry his name, that his name, that his renown will be the desire of your hearts. That you might carry his name, declaring the name of Jesus. And whatever you do, whatever passion he has given to you, that you will use that passion for his purpose. And whatever you do, you'll do for the glory of God.
This morning, we want to, to pray for our graduates. And so, in just a few moments, Matthew's going to come, the worship team's going to come and, and lead us in a song. And as they do that, I'd, I'd love for the graduates to come and to kneel at the altar here on either side. And I'd love for their families that are here with them that want to, to, to just to come and gather behind them, to stand behind them and gather around them. We have a, a gift that we want to give our high school graduates. We, we want to give a, a study Bible too, so that you can even look at some of these scriptures that we've talked about today and see the purpose that God has given to you to carry his name for the glory of God. We have a, a devotional book for our college graduates that we will give to them, helping them daily to be in the word and to, to see that and to, and to apply that call to their life. We want to celebrate them this morning. We want to pray over them that God will strengthen them for this calling to carry his name. So we're going to stand. Um, as, as you stand, the worship team is going to lead us. Graduates, I just want to invite you as, as we sing the song just to come and, and kneel at the altar here. Family, come and gather around your graduates and then we'll pray over our graduates in just a moment. So please stand with me as the worship team leads us this morning. Your glorious cause, O God, engages our hearts. May Jesus Christ be known wherever we are. We ask not for ourselves, but for your renown. The cross has saved us, so we pray. Your kingdom come, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, so that everyone might know your name. Let your song be heard everywhere on earth till your sovereign work on earth is done let your kingdom come give us your strength O God and courage to speak Perform your wondrous deeds Through those who are weak Lord, use us as you want Whatever the test By grace we'll preach your gospel Till our dying your kingdom come, let your will be done, so that everyone might know your name. Let your song be heard everywhere on earth, till your sovereign work on earth 
earth is done. Let your kingdom come. God, that's our prayer today for these graduates. That your kingdom might come and that and that they might lift up your name. They might carry your name. That God, your name, that your renown will be the desire of their hearts. That God, they might look to you. And you have given them all kinds of different passions, all kinds of different desires, all kinds of different talents and gifts and skills. God, I pray that you will help them to be intentional about finding ways to use those passions, those gifts, those skills for the glory of your name. God, we don't get off by not being called to be a missionary like Paul. Our mission is different. But the call, the purpose for us, God, is the same, to carry your name. So strengthen these graduates. Help them. Remind them, God, often. Bring these verses, bring this scripture to their mind that they might carry the name of Christ. We pray this today, really in the name of Jesus, the one God that you sent so that we might be enabled, so that we might be changed, so that we might be able to do this that you have called us to do. We pray this today in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to let the graduates stand and, and go back. I'm going to let them, in fact, even go out early. They're going to lead the charge this morning as they head to their to the fellowship hall. They're going to be the first ones in to, to find a seat and to get set for lunch. And then in just a few moments, I'll, I'll ask the rest of you to, to leave as well. In fact, maybe, maybe Matthew, let's sing one, of the, one verse of that song again. I didn't talk to you about this before, but um, everyone can sing while the graduates kind of gather their things and head to the fellowship hall for lunch. So thank you for coming this morning. Let's sing, Give Us Strength, O God. Give us your strength, O God, and courage to speak. Perform your wondrous deeds through those who are weak. Lord, choose us as you want, whatever the test. By grace we'll preach your gospel till our dying breath. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done, so that everyone might know your name. Let your song be your kingdom come. It's today for lunch, even if you didn't plan to stay, we have more than enough. So please join us in the fellowship hall, celebrate with our graduates, visit with them, share with them about their future and learn more about them as they plan to carry on the name of God. Thank you for coming this morning. Mm -hmm.